It's time for Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. Welcome to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses, and you are listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. Our first guest, it, uh, he's here to talk about a documentary screened out. Of course, I had the pleasure of screening this documentary that is available on demand. And uh, John Hyde is the director. He's with me here, and uh, it's a pleasure to have him on the show. Welcome, John. Welcome, John. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Now, um, you know, uh, this is sort of a, a topic that touches most people that have either a phone or a screen that they're looking on, um, especially now that we are uh, in a somewhat of a, a lockdown and we've used uh, technology a lot more than we would have. We're doing that right now by uh, using our, uh, our internet services to conduct our meetings, such as we are right now. Screened Out is the name of the film. And as I say, it's going to be launching in Canada and the U.S. on May 26th. Why? Why did you think this was important um, to show uh, what is going on with... I mean, we've, we've heard about some of this stuff before, about spending too much time on social media, some of the things that, uh, you know, some of the social platforms are doing. What, what uh, made you think it needed to go deeper? Well, you know, it, it really started off with my children, um, I think all parents can relate. Mm -hmm. When you take the iPad away from a child, it's not a good thing. Mm. They tend to kind of lose their minds. <clears throat> they want to get back on them right away. And uh, this worried me. And I, I talked to my, my older brother, and he was having the same issue with his own children. And he was, in fact, reading a, a book about it um, by Nicholas Carderas, who we actually have in the documentary. Mm. Uh, about what it was doing to children. And then I took a step back and I said, you know, wait a second, what about me? <laughs> I'm checking social media, you know, 100 mm. times a day like the next person. Mm. But why can't I put my phone down and walk away from it? You know, what's this doing to my brain? Mm. And what's this doing to my children's brain? So um, I went out and uh, spoke to many different experts and it was shocking, to be honest. Yeah, um, I, I have to I have to tell you that when I first uh, when it first started, I thought, okay, yeah, we know a lot about this stuff. You know what you're showing us initially was. I thought, yeah, I'm familiar with these. I'm familiar with this kind of uh, thing. But then you did go deeper. You went a lot deeper, and you did and reach out to a lot of different people and brought a lot more information. Uh, there was uh, some very interesting uh, moments. Uh, I think especially when you were in the Silicon Valley, and uh, and and it was interesting to hear about these uh, these people who. Uh, are are working for a lot of these uh, social media platforms and uh, and and finding out where their children go to school and what in fact their children are not doing <laughs> that's right that's right and it, it, that was a something that making the film that we found out that you know Steve Jobs did this interview for the New York Times uh, a long time ago mm. and uh, he was talking about how great the iPad it was just this article about how great the technology was. And at the very end, the reporter asked Steve Jobs, you know, well, your kids must love this. He goes, well, you know, we don't let our children use technology. Right. We wouldn't let them use it. Um, but, you know, it was okay to market this thing and, you know, uh, not say that about other people's children. And in fact, yeah, we went down to, uh, to uh, Silicon Valley and we visited two different schools, Peninsula School and the Waldorf School. Mm -hmm. And uh, in these schools, the, Tech companies are sending, you know, senior executives at these tech companies are sending their kids to school 
where there's no technology or they're learning how to create uh, organically um, because there's a real benefit to creating organically. And I think they've all understood that. The people that made these companies didn't grow up with Facebook. They did not grow up with Instagram. They, they grew up in a world where you were able to create and learn properly um, and that you weren't being bombarded by, uh, you know, these rewards, these dopamine rewards constantly mm -hmm. over and over and over again. You know, any kind of lull in your day is now faced with, uh, I need to go on there and, and click and get a reward. So, you know, I think they know this uh, very well and they don't want their kids to be exposed to it. Now, John, you're you're a director, you're a writer, you're a producer, you specialize in film and branded content, which is interesting. And you were born in the UK, you moved to Toronto, and uh, and, and in, I guess uh, in 2018 you actually set up this uh, this company, the Hyatt Brothers Film Company, with your with your brothers that you just mentioned. Um, and you've worked with, uh, you've done other productions, you've done other, uh, you've, you've got some rewards for some of your other uh, work that you've also uh, produced. You, you found yourself thinking about what is this doing to me? Were you aware that you were spending as much time or that you couldn't put the phone down before you started thinking about that and what it was doing to your children? Yeah, and, you know, I think like the rest of us, you think, it will, you know, is this really a problem, you know? Mm. Like, I'm just enjoying it. I'm just reaching out. Um, there was a point when I, I, I remember, you know, getting up in the morning, checking my phone, uh, watching the news, going to work on a screen, coming home, you know, watching the news again, putting on Netflix at night. My kids are having, and you, you realize that my entire day is on screens, mm. you know, like, is this the life that I want? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, and it's not that I don't like screens and it's not that we, we talk about this in the documentary. We're not enemies of technology. I'm not getting rid of my phone right. anytime soon. Right. So, um, I, I wanted to make sure that I understood why I was using it over again and right. how we can use technology responsibly. And, you know, we have this saying, you need to control technology. You can't let technology control you, which is what they're doing. Did, did you ever get that little voice in your head at any point? Well, I think that's part of the, the dopamine reward pathway. At the end mm. of the day, we do things. It's the anticipation of the reward in many ways. Mm. Um, and sometimes a reward like smoking is actually not very good. Like <laughs> they say the worst part about smoking is, is it's the feeling of wanting one. Mm. And then when you're actually having, it, it's not that good. Like, right. You know, and it's the same thing here where it's, it's, it's pushing you to find rewards. And yeah, that little voice is in there uh, with, with most people telling them to, you know, pick up their phones. And I would challenge any of your listeners to say, well, that doesn't exist in me. Do mm. you know what? Turn your phone off for an entire mm. afternoon, mm. walk away from it. See what see what you go through. Mm. It's very interesting. You know that little voice will get a lot louder, mm. and it'll actually start telling you to, oh well, listen, you need to check the weather. <laughs> you need to do this. You need to do. Wow. It'll, yeah. it'll start making excuses why you need to go pick up the phone. That's really um, interesting. It's it's fascinating. So that's in there. So you know, at the end of the day, to stop that little voice, we're telling people to, you know, limit your screen time during the day. Try to do that. Try to check your social media within maybe an hour, hour and a half window per day. That's it, right? Um, and then move on to other things, and that would help you greatly. 
Yeah. Now, of course, uh, you you talk, as you mentioned off the top, to many different people. You talked to some experts uh, in many areas, but you also went and spoke to some youth, to some parents, and you also spoke with, you used your wife, in fact, as, as someone, as an example throughout there, and how both of you uh, sort of had different approaches and uh, I guess uh, the way the way that you were either able to or not able to separate yourself from that phone. Um, but it was also interesting to see the youth and the kids talking about some of the social media platforms that, that are, they're using and then get into some of the statistics around what changed with youth in as, as smartphones started to creep into people's lives. And not, some of it not always good. There were some, some tragic uh, statistics there. Right. Well, yes. Well, the suicide rate mm-hmm. uh, in North America has gone up uh, quite a bit since the advent of smartphones uh, with teens. Um, we find that, you know, when you talk to doctors and medical experts, that there's no argument <clears throat> on that, whether these things cause depression or not. They do. They cause depression, um, social media, especially in uh, adults and children. Um, it's, a, you know, it's the fact that you are stimulating a part of your brain over and over again. We're, we're really not designed to stimulate our brains on that level that quickly. Like, there's nothing wrong with a dopamine response. Mm-hmm. A dopamine response back, you know, when we were in caves told us, you know, this is good to eat or you found water or what you did was good. And it wouldn't be over and over again. And mm-hmm. what we find is that when we're constantly stimulating it, we're creating anxiety creating depression, just general unrest um, in the brain. And so, you know, you got these teenagers and kids that are using this over and over again, and they're, they're constantly stimulating themselves, mm-hmm. right? And, and they, can't, they can't really navigate that properly, you know, and it's, it's not good for them. And then, you know, add on top of that cyberbullying, you know, add on top mm-hmm. of that, you know, the pressure to always look good, the, the vanity of it all. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many different reasons why, um, you know, these platforms aren't great. Um, just the social validation in general um, that they go through. So if a, if a 15-year-old posts a picture, I look really pretty today. No one says, you know, comments or likes on it. That has a, a great effect on the child, mm-hmm. right? And it has an effect on an, an adult as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's so loaded. There, there's so much that's wrong with yeah. it. Uh, when we're dealing with children now. now now these are the these are these social platforms we're talking about the, of course the other side of, of this technology is that it is uh, giving us the benefit of being connected so so quickly and so wonderfully in so many other ways it is it is very helpful stuff it's the, it's the way it's being used um, that is the issue correct and and um, yeah you give that example of that that young girl who um, who who spent a lot of time on uh, Instagram, I think, and um, uh, she she uh, her father found her standing on the ledge, uh, ready to jump or something like this. Right. Yeah. And that's yeah. If you watch the movie, you'll you'll see what happens, and it's it's terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it, you know, it's 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 a very scary thing, you know, dealing with kids and these issues, and we don't know what they're looking at, you know, behind closed doors. Um, it's hard to monitor that kind of thing. I mean, parents have things like screen time, but mm-hmm. you know, how well is that really working out? It's not bad, but you know, their kids are also finding a way around that. So yeah, yeah, it's 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 a very difficult situation. 
You also uh, spoke to some teachers, some of those uh, that you mentioned at the Waldorf School. Um, familiar with the Waldorf School, I was really surprised at the size of that thing, though, that, <laughs> down there. That was a huge school and a really cool-looking school, by the, by the way. Yeah, the Waldorf School is um, it, it's, it's very progressive um, in the way it's it, funny enough in a world now, which is all mm. kind of trying to move towards ed tech. And by the way, you know, we don't have a problem with ed tech necessarily. Right. And, you know, going back to your last point, you know, the screens bringing us good things during mm-hmm. uh, COVID. You know, like this doc, we're, we're, when we're saying screen screen use is bad, we're primarily talking about social media yep. and problematic gaming. You know, yes. when it comes down to, you know, talking to your grandmother or your kids learning something in a school, like, you know, let's watch a video of a whale and then let's dissect the inside of it with this mm. video. I mean, mm. that could be amazing, right? Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with technology on that level. Like technology is an unbelievably powerful tool. And we discussed that in the film. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but when you go to, you know, the Waldorf school, you go to these areas, there's these great places where children are, uh, the Peninsula school, where, you know, yeah. they have, you know, tree houses, mm-hmm. you know, large places for the kids to run around outside. Um, playtime is unbelievably important. Yeah. Children. And um, that, that- to be born, you know, that was interesting in your own discovery as you uh, as went as you went through this with your wife and your family um, about how you described what happened to your own children uh, in terms of taking the screens away, limiting their time, and then what you know the, after the the initial shock <laughs> and and a little bit of a tantrums that they had. You you mentioned something wonderful happened after that. Yeah, well, you know, boredom takes over, mm-hmm. um, and. You know, your children will fight you <laughs> when you yeah. when you tell them there's no screen time during the week or you're limited to 30 minutes a day or over an hour a day. They lose their minds. They don't they're going to fight back against it. And by the way, my kids still fight back. against it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's called being a parent. And that's what happens. <laughs> yeah. Your kid wants to eat the cookie jar, the entire thing. Right. When you tell them they can't have any more cookies, right. they want another cookie. But, you know, when you do uh, take that away or, or limit the screen use, they do move on and find things. They build things, they draw mm. things, they you know, play together outside. It's it's pretty amazing what kids come up with. They they want to be more active, they want to do things. Yeah, it's it's like you say you say in there, it's the imagination takes over. And and that is not a bad thing. This is this is all uh this is all stuff that we, we dealt with as kids. And I think they're they're now finding that that it is a good thing. It is a good thing to be bored. It is a good thing to uh to not uh have distractions all the time. Right. You know, and when you're walking down the street, so there's a, you know, boredom, we need to be careful how we talk about boredom. It's not <laughs> lying on the couch feeling sorry mm. for yourself. Yeah. Right. You know, it, it basically, if you go take a walk, turn off your phone, go for a walk, don't bring your phone with you, go for a walk around the block and let your mind wander. Mind wandering, there is a, a lot of studies saying how good that is for you. Um, well, meditation as well, turning off your mind is good as well, mm-hmm. but just allowing your 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 thoughts to work themselves out just giving yourself some time you know without just going to stimulation all the time mm-hmm. is very good for your well-being you need to do that every day you need to just take some time whether it's you know family free dinner or whatever it is you know take some time to yourself where you don't allow the phone to stimulate don't go away we'll be right back here on element fm with more right after this Now back to Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. 
You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. That's 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa. My guest is John Hyde. He's a uh, director of Screened Out. It's premiering and uh, available on demand. Um, and you can find that on many platforms. And uh, John Hyatt is is here with us in the studio. You know, John, I'm looking at your website at the moment, and I, I think the picture that you've you've uh, taken uh, for the trailer that's sitting there really it sums it up. You know, I, I think it's a, a really good image to show because it says so much about about what is captured and what people aren't seeing about themselves uh, when they are when they are in the midst of you know posting pictures and trying to get the perfect shot to put up on social media for themselves. And and this is this is a great picture of this young lady with the phone taping the perfect shot with a big smile on her face and it looks great. But you can just there's just something in the face you know and something in the eyes that that speaks to I think what we're talking about. Yeah, you know I think when you're on Facebook and you you go across these personal highlight reels of everybody. That's essentially what Facebook is. You know, it's everyone's it's everyone's best. It's their mm-hmm. it's their highlight reel of their lives. Look at us on vacation. Look, mm-hmm. look how happy me and my kids are. You know, five minutes before that, your kids were screaming and yelling, and you were trying <laughs> to get them into the picture. Right. And then you clicked it when everyone's smiling. And you know, people go and and look at that picture and go, "Oh, I wish my life was as easy as that." You know? And yeah. this is the hor- horrific part about all. Of yeah. Is that yeah. we're all living these, you know, lives that don't really exist. These digital perfect lives. Everyone talked about, oh, you know, people when they go play these games like The Sims, you know, they're living a second life on these mm. video games. It's like, well, you're living a second life on social media. You That's also, all you're doing, right? This is not yeah. you. Yeah. You know, it'd be great if there's an honest social media uh, yeah. where people just show what <laughs> life was like. And I think you see that a bit more. Sometimes of people just breaking down, being like, I can't take it anymore. Here's the mm-hmm. Which is great. But, but yeah, the majority of the time, it's perfect lives. The, the influencers on Instagram, you know, lying in the poppy fields, then they don't show you afterwards how, how all the Instagram, you know, influencers showed up and actually destroyed the poppy fields by lying in them. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. You know, it's, it's things like that where it's just, it's just, it's this make believe world yeah. we're all living in. And at a time right now where there's so much going on, you know, I think we need a little more realism. What was the uh, what was the takeaway for you uh, after putting this all together? Well, you know, I, I like to think that this film, especially, is is part of a uh, larger movement. Mm. There are other movies coming out that I know of that are, you know, going to go more behind the scenes of what actually happened within the tech companies themselves, mm-hmm. and that's going to be fascinating. And I can't wait for those. And um, you know, and there's you know, parent organizations and. There are uh, grassroots uh, uh, movements starting, uh, and even governments were being backed. But uh, uh, you know, we, we are a part of the the, the Smart Act uh, and the Camera Act that's happening in the United States right now as well, which are you know they're using our film as well to uh, mm. illustrate the need for more investigation right. to all of this. But I, I think that you know we want to be part of a bigger movement um, that helps you know bring awareness. And change to, you know, the hand just a handful of tech companies that are doing this stuff. Mm. You know, people often think that, well, this is so big, you'd have to go change the world. It's like, no, you need to change maybe eight tech companies, mm. and you need to influence about two hundred people. Um, Tristan Harris talks about that, mm. where he says, you know, you need to introduce, you just need to influence these two hundred people really that are running it. That's not a hard thing to do. We can change this. 
But the problem is that these tech companies are making money hand over fist by manipulating you, uh, by waging a war for your attention, and by selling your data. Well, and that's the that's the real disturbing part that you you reveal, you know, is that and, and of course it was it was talked about not only in the film but but uh, by by uh, Facebook uh, themselves, uh, someone that left Facebook, and and talked about it, this was deliberately done. They knew what they were doing and they did it anyway. Yeah, yeah, they 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 do, and there's a, there's more than a handful of people now coming out of these companies, you know, high. You know, big executives coming out, huge investors like Robert McNamee, who came out and he was, you know, that was something that Sean Parker, mm. I'm sorry, not Sean Parker, Mark Zuckerberg looked up to. Mm. And essentially, this is, Facebook was this guy's baby. Now this mm. guy's coming out saying it's changing the fabric of society, yep. that they're using Nazi propaganda techniques. You right. know, that's exactly what he said. And that's terrifying. Yeah. Um, you know, the fact that we are operating inside of these echo chambers where they are giving you information based on things that you like. And that's problematic because, listen, if you're right-wing, say you're a Trump supporter in the United States, your feed looks like this. It says, you know, uh, these crazy leftists and, you know, Trump is making sure, blah, 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 blah. And it's causing a lot of outrage and you want to click on things and get involved and, and back your side. If you're left-wing in the United States, your newsfeed is going to be like crazy Trump, you know, mm. and this and that. And, Look at all these crazy, and it's creating this division, and that's all you're seeing. Mm-hmm. We're not getting the whole story. Like if you open up a newspaper, say, right. and you you can read it back to front and get a whole lot of different information. We're getting information that's one-sided, so we can't tackle big issues because everyone is so polarized right now. Right. This is not a good way to share our information right, right now. Yeah, very true. I, I've uh, noticed that in just uh, shopping for uh, items that I need, uh, you know, either for work or for, um, you know, technology that I do here uh, in my own personal stuff. And a day later, I've got all these things show pop- popping up at the side of my screen uh, that are really trying to get me to go there uh, to say, oh, look what else you can get, you know. So, yeah, and I had nothing to do with that. So, you know, all this stuff is happening in the background. Um, and, yeah, it's uh, it very easily can distract us. Now, you know, you made you made a, 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 a you, you talked about the manipulation and the addiction uh, side of this. And I, I was very surprised, I have to admit, and, and it was it, it, it really, I just couldn't believe it that, that you know, you, you, you talk about this couple that were actually, they were addicted, they were playing a game, and in fact, they lost their child to starvation because they were playing and feeding a virtual child. Yeah, and that happened in South Korea, and yeah. they have such a, yeah, so basically they were, they were gaming in a cafe and their child starved to death because they weren't feeding it, but they were nurturing a virtual child at the same mm. time. And, you know, this is, you know, I, really they're the canary into the coal mine right now in, in South Korea. They have such a problem with uh, online gaming and internet addiction that they have over 400 rehab centers mm. that people go to to deal with this problem. They enacted something called the Cinderella Law, which right. basically told kids that they couldn't play after midnight. Right. Just to get the kids off the screens after yeah. midnight because yeah. they were playing all night. They couldn't get off them. Um, and we're seeing these opening up now. We, we have actually an internet addiction facility that opened up in Windsor. And we're now, you know, we, we, visit, we visited one, uh, if you watch the documentary, in Seattle. Uh, mm-hmm. And it, more of these places are opening up. This is becoming a problem. 
you know, the WHO classified uh, gaming disorder as a behavioral addiction. And I think that social media addiction is not far behind. Right. I just don't think anyone wants to recognize it because we're all addicted. Yeah. Uh, John, the other thing you, you mentioned in the film, and I, I you know, I wasn't surprised uh, because I had I had read a book that, that ha- also had talked about this. Um, and I think it's in, in China um, where they're now having this uh, this system of points you know, I saw, and I also saw this, uh, I think it was a, a Black Mirror uh, uh, right. segment that did the same thing about this points and how this woman's life ended up being destroyed. And now it is a reality there that, that these this point system can actually affect uh, where you work, if you can travel, uh, all kinds of things. Um, and and it's, it's, it's astounding that this is, this is happening. And you point to the fact that, yeah, how, how soon might it be before this, you know, travels this way and and gets over to the Western side of the world? Right. You know, it could very well come here, especially what you're seeing now with barcodes and COVID. Mm. Not that I'm saying any of that is bad, but you know, how far does it go? How far does the tracking go? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you know, what you post online, you know, what you say about this or that, um, what will that affect, you know, what schools your kids go to, you know, whether you have a good social media ranking, um, you know, in China, they're literally they have people walking around and checking if you're smiling. Sometimes it's wow. crazy. Yeah. Um, you know, did you stop at the stop sign perfectly? Oh, no, you got to check mark against this or that. Mm. Um, you know, granted that it, it's, it's, you know, China's a far worse country when it comes to privacy and all these things. But as we've seen before and, and many times over with these large corporations, if they can get an angle and they can lobby government to get what they want, mm. they might might start moving in in that area mm-hmm. in North America. Mm-hmm. We need to be very, very careful that they don't implement anything like that. John, it, it certainly has been a pleasure talking to you about this film and uh, really uh, appreciate the fact that you have brought this forward. There's a lot of very good information in this documentary. Everyone should should go and watch this film uh, to become educated, to become aware, uh, and to become uh, aware of yourself and how you interact with your own personal uh, devices and how much time you are spending and how much time your kids are spending. And to be aware and and maybe look at this and say, hey, maybe, maybe it's it's time to make some changes, and this is on demand on uh, many of your your platforms that you go to watch uh, yeah, your films on. Uh, John, any last uh, words just before we leave? Yeah, just if they want to know which platforms to watch it on, it's Prime Video, right. uh, YouTube, Google Play, uh, iTunes. They can really go find it anywhere there. Best of luck with that and all your future projects, and we really appreciate you taking the time to join us uh, here on Moment of Truth. Well, thank you so much for having me. A pleasure. Uh, John Hyatt, he's the uh, director of uh, Screened Out and on many of the platforms that uh, he just mentioned. That's this part of this program. Please don't go away. We will be right back here on Moment of Truth right after this. Now back to Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. You are listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. That is 95.7 in Ottawa and 106.5 in Toronto. It is a pleasure to uh, have Ali Herji. You've got it spot on, my friend. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you here. And, uh, you know, it's ironic, of course, um, that uh, we'll be talking about to some degree. But just to give a little bit more uh, information about uh, Ali, he is the uh, project and research lead for the AI, or Artificial Intelligence Hub, at Durham College. 
And we're going to be talking about, uh, I guess, security. And I don't know if artificial intelligence comes into this. Maybe that's something uh, that Ali can answer. But we're, we're going to be talking about how, you know, during the COVID-19 clampdown and more and more people using uh, online services for communication, for meetings and all of those kind of things, uh, Zoom being one of them, we're using that right now, in fact, for our, for our meeting. Uh, the safety issues uh, possibly around Zoom, maybe people have heard about this, the scams and all of the other things that are going on regarding this type of, of services, uh, uh, you know, people that are trolling and, and things that are popping up within meetings. Um, so, Ali, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, kind sir. Um, a couple of points that I want uh, to, to make at the get-go is you mm. mentioned about how AI and uh, the company AI, but how does security come into it? So I also uh, support the Durham College Center for Cybersecurity Innovation. None I whatsoever. I just take up one aspect of what you spoke about in this current COVID scenario that we find ourselves in. You know, what is or what should our cybersecurity postures be like in order to protect against uh, you know, different types of hacks, different types of vulnerabilities, etc. You know, the, the saying goes, right, that uh, the IoT or the Internet of Things can very quickly become an Internet of Threats if you don't know if you don't know what you don't know. Mm. All right. Mm. The importance right now is that everyone needs to realize that cybersecurity or being safe online is not a matter of, oh, you need to have a certified ethical hacker credential or you need to have a network security credential behind you to begin to understand cybersecurity. A good chunk of cybersecurity has a social, political, legal, psychological, mental angle to it. If you can think like a hacker, you don't necessarily need to know how to hack, but if you can think like one, you can make your way through some systems. I'll give you a simple example. In October of 2019, in collaboration with our municipality here at Durham College, uh, and uh, along with CyberX, we hosted the Global Cyber Olympics Games. We had about 12 teams from around the world who qualified for the finals come down for a series of hacking games. In those teams, almost every team had somebody who didn't have a computer science degree. Someone was a philosophy major, another person was a psychology major. It's knowing how to think. Once you're able to create profiles, once you're able to think about what could somebody want to steal from me and how they could use it, that's when you're entering that space of cybersecurity has something for everyone. We all need to embrace this reality. We all play a role in keeping our online practices safe and secure. Yeah, interesting. So when you say that, when you know how to think or when you know how to think like a hacker, some people might be thinking, yikes, what, how do I know what, what a person like that thinks like or what they're looking for? Uh, are there some just some basic rules? I mean, I, I you know, whenever I'm uh, going online or whatever, I'm doing things like one of the things I think many people do now is uh, is always covering up their camera, for instance, on their computer screen so that it's not accessible if someone does try to hack it they can't at least see what's going on fantastic point so i'll do a quick shout out to some folks who have been listening to over the recent past and have been learning from uh farooq nayar is the CISO of orion the ontario research and innovation optical network an absolutely fantastic organization that runs a security program for all the universities and colleges in ontario uh, he's also the advisor to my board uh, someone like Danny Pahar or, or Kat Kood from Binary Tattoo or Gilad Perry and David Chernetsky 
from ICVR, North America's only uh, cybersecurity virtual virtual reality escape room. Uh, a lot of these folks, if you have a word with them, you know, they, they will tell you something, which is it's not a matter of well, if, I, if you get breached. It's just a matter of when you realize that you've mm. been a victim of something. It's not mm. an if, it's a when you realize. Mm. When we talk about this concept of think like a hacker, I want you to start looking at the cybersecurity space and just understand the nomenclature that exists. Very few people realize, or they get quite shocked, as you just mentioned, when I tell them, hey, do you want to come to Durham College and take a one-month course to become a certified ethical hacker? They react exactly the way you just did, with a lot of shock. What do you mean, an ethical hacker? It's all premised on this single factor, is that you need to understand what information or what data points do you have that somebody would want from you mm. in order to use it. Mm. I say this all the time and I've told people, put it on a shirt. If AI is the rocket, data is the fuel. <laughs> data is that new oil that people are looking to mm. trade in. Mm. Think about it. Why would somebody care, you know, to hack into, you know, my, for example, my Nest system at home. Just yesterday I was doing a session with Shahid Saya, Harsha, uh, Harsha from KTech Labs, Shahid Saya from MLSC, and Danny Pahar. And we asked the question, why would somebody be interested in hacking into my Nest thermostat? The reason for that is, if they know how often you are turning things up and turning it down, it may give them a sense to when somebody's in the home and when mm. somebody's not. Right. Why would somebody want to hack into my smart fridge? Well, maybe they want to know how many times you're opening it and closing it, because if you run a little algorithm, that will tell you, at what times is somebody at home and somebody isn't? Mm -hmm. At what times is somebody leaving the basement and coming up to the fridge to get something? It all tells a story. Once you have a story, my friend, that's when you can find out where the cracks are. A very, another simple example that I can give you, and I've fallen victim to this, and I'm not an expert. I never uh, portray myself to be an expert. I always portray myself to be a learner. When I learned about this, it really got me to realize why it's important for me to think like a hacker. The example goes as follows. How many times have you got a message on Twitter saying, name your first five jobs, tag the next 10 people. I got that message about two months ago where somebody said, name the, uh, these are the top five jobs that I had. You go, Ali, you go, da mm. Dana, you go, Lara, you go, you go all tell us what, you know, what your jobs were. Do you mm. realize that that's all building a social engineering campaign to right. get information about who you are. Right. They're the kind of profile cards that hackers can create in order to say, hey, let me now give that call to Scotiabank and pretend to be you because I'm pretty sure I'm going to get to know what that secret answer is to that question. So you got to think about these things. You got to put yourselves in the shoes of the other in order to outsmart them. Yeah, say, saying outsmart them. It, it's very interesting how you're describing these people uh, that are doing these things because they are obviously very clever and they are obviously intelligent. And and I guess it's unfortunate that they're using these skills and their intelligence for for taking advantage of other people. It's it's you know it's unfortunate that that is going on, but that's the world we live in. Um, having said that. Um, you know, the first thing I thought of when you you said, uh, you know, why do they want to hack into my to my nest? Why do they want to hack into my smart fridge? Uh, absolutely, I understand completely what you were saying as soon as you said that. Um, 
uh, I got the message about, yeah, they can find out about when you're opening the fridge or when the heat's going up and turning down and when you might be there. Uh, same with, I guess, the front door kind of thing. Um, so the thing is, though, is it then an advantage to have smart items? Look, this question about an advantage or a disadvantage one, I think it's a, it sets a, a philosophical uh, path for us to go down. And I want to mm. go down this path without getting uh, digressed in any way because I could talk sure. at length about this. <laughs> the advantage of disadvantages of having smart home or connected devices, the reality is, is that many of the things that we rely on through our connected devices, yes, we could do or potentially do without them. There's an ease of convenience and an ease of access. Mm -hmm. What I ask everyone to do is that when you are going into your home, and if you're staying to the subject of the home, and you're getting all these connected devices, a starting point would be, hey, buddy, create a bit of a checklist from a security standpoint, okay? Danny Pahar yesterday in the webinar with me mentioned, look, think about which brands you're buying from. Have a little bit of a checklist so that you know, hey, did this product that I just bought does it follow a particular framework? Does it follow a particular type of settings that will allow me to ensure I can control some of its functionalities? Mm. Invest in something that can monitor the network traffic going in and out of your house. Pay attention to some telltale signs, like sudden noises or sudden flashes from your camera. You have to make sure that when you're buying these products, you've got a bit of a checklist in place. It's as simple as saying, hey buddy, if you got somebody to renovate your basement and you're gonna get an electrician in, you're gonna take somebody who's certified and has all of those aspects so that you know that something was done to code. When you're buying some of these products, kind of know what some of this code and this framework is before you actually go and plug all of this in. I think, rather I know, that this kind of blind consumerism and just connecting everything to the internet is, is a recipe for a hacker to just get in mm. and get what they need out of it. Mm -hmm. to purchase with a conscience and there is no other way i can i can mask that for you it is what it is you buy with a sense of what you are buying if not the peril is entirely on you yeah uh and of course when you were, were speaking there and talking about buying items and doing some research I guess in a way, what you're looking for is items that that when you start to do the research on these items, when you start to see the checkpoints that are in place that they have done, it'll let you know if they're actually thinking like you are. If you are think if they're thinking the same way, hey, if I were buying this, I'd want to make sure I have these these checkpoints in place so that I that I know I'm buying something is reputable, that something's gonna give me that element of privacy that I'm looking for and that it's going to be uh it's it's gonna give me the that freedom to to know okay this 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 item is going to help protect me in my own in my own space as well 100 percent. and i'm not going to mask this in any other way the consumer needs to take that effort to get educated on this i am a firm believer in this aspect that cybersecurity is not a one-size-fits-all solution i've spent time with deep technical experts i've spent time with people who are legal experts who are finance experts and are in the world of cybersecurity the information is there. Read it. Take a you know take a certification course, 100 bucks, 200 bucks. Certified secure computer user from EC Council or one of the startup courses from IC Squared. Do one of them or from Sands Institute. Do one of them. Get a credential behind you. If we are going to be in this new normal for a significant amount of time, and it's going to be heavily reliant on.
digital transactions, you kind of need to know. All right, you don't put so, and I use this metaphor all the time. You do not put somebody on the road without them having some sort of accreditation to be there. You don't put somebody behind the wheel without them having some sort of accreditation to be there. Likewise, if you're going to take your business entirely online, either get the help that you need or get yourself what you need to be that person. And I don't think there is a better thing that I can replace experience with, but with attending webinars, talking to people, building your circle, and just learning as much as you can. A healthy diet of articles on security, etc., will set you in par with what you need to be doing. My guest is Ali Herji. He is the project and research lead at uh, the uh, Hub at Durham College for Artificial Intelligence, having a wonderful and interesting conversation. It started out uh, talking about uh, how many of, of the conversations that we are now having taking place because of COVID-19 have gone online and uh, the security issues around those those things, but we have developed uh, into more of a, of a, a larger looking at security and cybersecurity uh, going right into your home, looking at the smart items that you can buy in your home to make sure that when you buy these items, that they are items that represent the kind of uh, security that you want to have. So not just going Going, as as Ali pointed out, just not just buying but blindly. Um, you know, just don't look for the best price. Uh, look for something that's going to make sure that's going to answer the questions that you want about having the kind of security uh, in your home, in your vehicle, uh, with the personal devices that you are using. Uh, Ali, the one thing you uh, you mentioned there about uh, having uh, and getting yourself a, a certified hacker course for about a month or so, what, what might be the, the other advantage of, of doing that? And I guess, you know, it's like most things. You know, if you improve your house, you know, you put a new roof on, um, you, you know, you get a new furnace, you do something to improve that, generally you can go back to your insurance company and say, hey, I've done this improvement. How does this reflect in terms of my, my uh, insurance costs? And generally there might be some cost savings you can get. Is there something like that for doing this kind of thing? Yeah, there's, there are two ways or two schools of thought that, you know, I would subscribe to on this. Um, and of course, there are more, but I'll, I'll, uh, I'll parlay two. The first is, is that as a business owner or a small to medium business mm. owner, uh, specifically, um, access to cybersecurity expertise can be expensive. And, mm. and I don't blame uh, experts in this field uh, for charging what they do. I mean, they, they take on quite a lot of liability and responsibility on your mm. behalf. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those prices make them a little inaccessible to... Uh, you know, especially right now, the, the SMB sector. So as a business owner, having some of these credentials or at least being familiar with them uh, definitely allows you to take on some of the management of your, uh, your cybersecurity posture. Mm. I'm not saying that it replaces it entirely. You may still need some help. Mm-hmm. Um, a very simple example, maybe you do need somebody to, to come in and pen test some of your environments and give you some constructive feedback and some mediations that you may want to take. Uh, you, you may need somebody to guide you from a proactive standpoint, but at least you know what you're buying. And more importantly than that, you understand the conversation and can make a sound decision on where to invest some of your cash when it comes to securing your online environments. So that's number one. You become a bit of a more informed buyer, right. but you also become a bit of a handyman in the digital space. <laughs> and I think that's important. Yeah. Number two is, look, there is absolutely no doubt that uh, some careers that we've known of uh, are likely now not going to be around anymore. Mm. Uh, we've been hit by this uh, 
You know, there were drops in the ocean where we were talking about how AI may replace certain jobs, but uh, with the current pandemic, you know, that drop in the ocean has very quickly become an entire tsunami in and of itself. Mm. And a lot of jobs that we know are, are no longer going to be there. Um, I think getting into the space of cybersecurity, if you've got that appetite uh, and you've got a little bit of a sense of technology, uh, this could be where your next career is. You know, there is a, I wouldn't, mm. you know, I, I know that there is, a, there are quite a few uh, theorists out there who uh, purport the idea that uh, there is a uh, shortage of cybersecurity experts in the market. Um, I, I, I beg to differ there. I do believe that our hiring cultures in cybersecurity have created that shortage. Uh, but nonetheless, there is a demand for good talent in cybersecurity, and it could be where you find uh, your next career. Um, a lot of people right now are looking at second careers. A lot of people are pivoting. The great thing about cybersecurity is, you know, it's, I, I really do believe this, is that whether you're, you know, in your late 50s or 60s, if you can understand the concepts and you can teach it and you can demonstrate it, there is something in it for everyone. For example, during Cybersecurity Awareness Month in October, I did six sessions for different senior homes talking about different hmm. ways in which they can be attacked financially. So hmm. there is a need for this kind of service across the board. And I think it's where you could find your next career. Interesting. All, all good points uh, as, as we move into this, uh, this new normal, as you pointed out. You know, uh, when you were saying there's, there's going to be jobs disappearing, um, I, I kind of liken this to, to some degree uh, to the Industrial Revolution, you know, uh, th that change that, that eliminated jobs but created new ones uh, at the same time. Um, so it, it's, it's just one of those things that happens uh, about every hundred years or so, uh, I guess, maybe depending on how you look at it. Um, and, and quicker in some ways, the last 50 years has, has proven to be uh, quite uh, astounding in terms of the, uh, the advancements we've made, especially in the, uh, in the digital and, and computer world. For sure. Um, you know, I'll, I'll add to this. Uh, I, I get a lot of these questions from, from students about, you know, what, what are the next careers going to look like? And, mm. you know, the resurgence of the community manager now and all of those things. I think those are fair conversations that we need to, uh, to, trans to transact on. But there's a bit of a bigger conversation that we need to have here. And that is this aspect of, sure, what the jobs are going to be will, is changing and will continue to uh, to morph and will continue to, to realize something new. But I think we need to pay attention to the where the jobs will be conducted from. The space of mm. the home now, your home environment, as a center for business activity, for enterprise, just digest that statement. If you are a board director and you hear this line that the homes of your staff are now going to be the center of your business transactions, the center of your business activity, that should get you to realize that the home is now going to be a focus of every hacker, mm. of every potential attack, of every vulnerability. Mm. And I want people to understand hacks. Talk to Farooq Nair from Orion. Talk to Madi Raza from CyberX. Talk to Michael Castro, Michael Ball, the founder of Team VCSO and Breach the Keep, an amazing online game for uh, to learn incident response. Talk to these experts and you know what they'll tell you? There's a reason that sometimes we've heard of big cases where cleaners in the offices were seen as a route to supporting hackers. 
overnight cleaners would come in, nobody's there in the office, you've left a couple of sticky notes on your desk, they picked up one, that one was the one with the password, mm. and it got shared with the hacker. There's mm-hmm. a reason that a lot of hacking communities and malicious actors formed partnerships with some of these cleaning groups because mm-hmm. they had physical access into space. Right. Well, now I have to start thinking about, hey, with my window open, could somebody potentially take a picture of, of my screen? Hey, if I have somebody visiting my home to, to disinfect and all of that, what steps do I suddenly need to take? Everyone needs to start thinking about not just the digital parameters, but also the physical parameters to ensure that you're staying safe and secure online. And for me, the question is, how do you do all of this without embracing a sense of paranoia? And it's not easy, but with Mm. the right education, the right support group, the right kind of networking, I think we can find that right space to maintain healthy and safe digital environments. You point out some very good uh, uh, reasons for this, and yes, you're absolutely correct. Especially with uh, within the last couple of weeks, we've heard uh, uh, we've heard Twitter come forward and say, "Okay, staff, you're going to work from home from now on." So, absolutely, the uh, the center is going to be the home for their uh, for most of their employees. Uh, and likewise, uh, I think there was one other organization that I heard about that came forward and said the same thing. And I'm I'm, I'm assuming more will be coming on board, Thanks. and. And it's going to be uh, changing the the whole dynamic. So yeah, good, great points about that. Great points. Thank you for saying that, Ali. Um, if can we bring it back down to uh, the 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 current situation a little bit, just in terms of people that are going to have to get online to do their meetings using you know one of the one of the the platforms such as Zoom or or Skype or some of the other ones, um, what they can do to to help uh, make sure that at least you know to feel safer about about holding those online meetings. Yeah. So there are two things that I would uh, point them towards. How they navigate it is really up to the individual. Mm -hmm. The first thing that I would say is make sure that if your workplace has a policy around remote working um, and if they have certain guidelines that have been set in place, familiarize yourself with them. Okay. I was talking to a young student the other day and I said, you know what, if uh, when you go into the workplace, you know, there are certain guidelines, the office will place around dress code. There's certain guidelines around conversations you can have and cannot have. It's not like those guidelines go out of the window when you're working from home or your office. There are new guidelines. And if they aren't, they're coming. Familiarize yourself with that. Mm. That will bleed into how you transact online. Mm. There may be requirements where you're told by a company, yes, we want you to maintain a background. Yes, we want you to maintain passwords into the access points. No, you cannot sign into Zoom with your personal and conduct business affairs. There are many things that are existing in policy. And Mm -hmm. if you don't know, ask. Now's the time to be that annoying person who asks about certain policies because you just never know when something goes wrong and if it gets traced back to you and you didn't follow a step, guess who's on the line? It's Mm -hmm. you. So Mm -hmm. get familiar with those policies. The other thing that I would always recommend is that when you're doing, it's not just your people right now are just embracing that whole uh, hysteria. Ah, we're all doing our meetings on Zoom or on GoToMeeting or on Skype or whatever. And these these platforms are susceptible to hackers. Yep, I get it. It's not just Zoom. All of these platforms can have some potential vulnerabilities. We get that. But there are other things when you're working online that can also impact your security. 
For example, the increase in phishing emails right now. Mm. For mm. example, those text messages that you're getting saying, hey, your money has been deposited, click here. There are other routes that people are going to get to you through. Familiar, don't just get locked down to if my video is secure, I'm good to go. Mm. Right? You know, I was talking to somebody who works in the customer service industry and there was an issue with getting a particular piece of paperwork to that customer. And the customer just said, well, I can send you a picture of it. Uh, not quite. There is a process that you need to follow. You can't just be telling people, yeah, send me a picture of it and send it to me by email. Maybe your company has a particular app that they want you to use. Mm. Get familiar with all of this. Mm. Don't just stay locked down to, oh, it's a video, that's my only threat uh, route. There are other things that are happening as well. And these can come in through your phone, this can come in through your emails, this can come in through your social media, this can come in through uh, text messages, it can come in through WhatsApp. There are many routes for a company, for a malicious actor to get in, and you need to be vigilant at all times. All right. Nicely said. Uh, some great information. We really appreciate you taking the time to join us and share that information with us, Sally. We really do. And uh, I want to thank you for joining us on the show today. And um, I, have, I have one other question for you with this certified course that you're talking about. Um, how often would you say you need to refresh yourself in that area? All right. So there are multiple uh, accreditation and industry accreditation standards that you can apply for and that you can study for and take exams. Uh, EC Council is one body. ISACA is another. SANS, IC Square. There are many bodies. Uh, and I've just named the top few right now. There are many bodies out there where you can get certified, etc. What I always recommend to people is if you're new to the space, there are two sets of people. If you're new to the space, get a mentor. Get somebody who can guide you, mm. right? When I started in this space, Farooq Nair was my mentor. And he uh, guided me through, you know, what you need to be doing and what you need to study and all of that stuff. For all you know, you may turn around and say, hey, you know what, the certifications are not really my jam. But I do enjoy attending those sessions, those meetup groups that happen, like Leading Cyber Ladies, as an example. I do want to come to those things and meet people. Mm. Uh, so you need to build that around you. And you need to understand that it's not a one-size-fits-all. Mm. The second thing is, yes, there are professionals out there who want to go down a certain path. I always recommend to them is start thinking about what aspect of cybersecurity are you interested in. If you want to get into the technicalities, then for sure, there are paths that you can go down with uh, CEH, Certified Ethical Hacker, or Certified Network Defender, and there are others that are there from ISACA and so on and so forth. But if you want to get into the day-to-day -day operational stuff or you want to go into the strategy side, there are other courses that reflect that as well. So you need to sort of know what your own taste buds uh, are, are, are tickled with and then build your certification strategy from there. Now is a good time to look at these certification bodies because their base courses are going for next to nothing. And it's a good chance to sort of at least get started. All the right. other thing that I will say is that, you know, when it comes to the world of cybersecurity, I am a firm believer that we need to, at least those of us in the Canadian context, we need to make sure that we're not blurred with just a North American vision towards digital hygiene and cybersecurity innovation. Some of the best innovation in cybersecurity comes out of Israel, comes out of Iran, comes out of India. Look, learn, keep your eyes open. Now's a great time to talk to other people in different parts of the world, 
back when we were talking about globalization, I firmly do believe with Thomas Friedman that we're back in this point of globalization where we're taking mm. our local practices global. Mm. And if there's anything that I can tell people is learn from countries like Estonia, learn from the governments in Tel Aviv, learn from various governments, how they have created cyber safe communities and what they're doing to develop almost like a dome and a range of services that make sure that they're fortified, not just technically, but to the bare roots of kids in high schools as well. With mm. that, you know, I'll, I'll conclude by saying, you know, I'm really proud of the fact that Durham College, the region of Durham, uh, we're all partnered in various cybersecurity events. We did Global Cyber Olympics in October. Uh, we are part of the uh, ICTC Cyber Titans. And then next week, we're all speaking at the Cyber Exchange Live Summit. I highly recommend that if you've got the time, two days, you know, come in and out of virtual sessions, network, meet people, come out to the Cyber Exchange, come out to see Cyber Titans, see what's happening in Canada, see what's happening in the US and around the world and, and get yourself informed. Um, this is, very few people talk about this, but I think this ability to stay informed and digitally strong is also part of ensuring that we can flatten the curve to some degree, because the more confident we are working from different areas, uh, the more we can support the social distancing uh, efforts and the more we can get faster down the path of uh, full recovery. All right, Alihirji, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you all the, for that great, fabulous information or for giving us lots to think about, lots to, lots for us to look into and uh, possibly participate in. So uh, I, I want to thank you once again for joining us on the show. This has been Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element, Element, Element FM.